Welcome to the Sound of Movement podcast. Today we've got a really great topic. We're going to be talking about flexibility training and how you design programs to get really flexible. This is something that I'm very passionate about. It was about six years ago that I made the decision that I was going to become flexible. I've learned a lot in that time and now I'm going to share it with you. Welcome to the show, everyone. It's time to rock. If you're new to the tribe, riches behind the mix, Phil's across the table from me. My name's Rad Burmeister, and we are Unity Gym, experts at turning driven people into athletes. This episode is brought to you by the Unify Movement System, the only online program effectively balancing strength, flexibility, and fitness so you can unleash your inner athlete. Get daily coaching by us, plus our Epic Foundations prep program and revolutionary structural balance blueprint to create your ideal program and optimize your performance. As a valued listener, use the link in the description to get your first month free. Better than that though, this week we're actually going to be doing a 72-hour flash sale where you can, combined with a two-week free trial of our UMS, you can get a lifetime discounted price. It's going to be, uh, for as long as you stay with us, you will be on a permanent discount. So look out for that one. That's going to be going out uh, this Wednesday. It's currently Monday in Australia. Now, before we get started, warm welcome if you're on the live stream in the UMS Movement Mastermind Facebook group. Leave a comment and we'll send you some love. Remember that anyone can join and interact. And lastly, a shout out to our YouTube athletes catching the replay. Hit the like button to support the channel and subscribe if you like what you see. So joining us today, we've got Phil White from ADPT Physio. How are you, Phil? So well. I uh, always love being back in my f- back for my first show on a Monday when I'm back in Sydney after being in down the coast in Jervis Bay. Feeling delightfully exhausted after um, hitting a nice little running PB on the weekend. Ran 26 and a half Ks, which was quite uh, good fun. And 20, then 26 and a half. Yeah, was from Manly, like to, um, Manly um, to Clavelli, yeah. uh, which is yeah two different ends of Sydney beaches. So it was really nice to um, yeah do that with a mate on Saturday and then played a beach volleyball tournament with my girlfriend yesterday and we got through the grand final. Manly so to Clavelli, sorry. Yeah. It, I just don't know where Clavelli was, <laughs> south of Bondi, right? Yeah. yeah Shit, yeah. so you ran from Manly over the bridge and then down yeah, to Clavelli. Yeah, the two bridges, Spit, Spit and Harbour Bridge. So oh, yeah, no one for those, no one bridge is a bridge, bridge uh, there. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, so just uh, a really fun active weekend and I'm, yeah, feeling great and nice to be back on the podcast with you, Rad. Yeah, nice, nice. Did you awesome. have a nice weekend, nice Mother's Day here in Australia? I did, I did. I had a good Mother's Day, you know. It's uh, it's an interesting thing being a father, of course. You, you have to actually put some real effort into Mother's Day or you get your ass kicked. <laughs> um, so, no, it was really good. Um, my my son doesn't really get it yet. He's four years old and he's like, where's my presents? And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was what pretty funny. Uh, but, you know. um, and how are you, Richie? You had a holiday, mate. Tell us all about it. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Rich was away last week. Yeah, Richie, you can probably tell why. Um, you know, all he, the went, he went down to. Yeah. Um, I went down yeah. to Adelaide to see yeah. my family. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. Got to catch up with my niece. I haven't seen her for almost a year. She's grown up so quickly. Um, it was very good to see mum and my sister and everybody. Um, I, I don't very. I don't go home very often, so it was it was really nice to see everybody. Yeah, yeah so nice. Yeah. That's kind of awesome. why. Um, all the production side of things kind of fell apart last yeah, week. Yeah, <laughs> man. Oh God, <laughs> no, it, the, the whole Everything. world falls apart without Richard here. Yeah. Bloody hell! Yeah, we went. We couldn't even get our shit together to get uh, the podcast started on time, even <laughs> on the days where we did do it. It was pretty funny. Um, anyway, so there we go. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going away in. Um, 
I think I'm going away in four weeks now. In f- exactly four weeks from today, I'm going to be having a week off, which is which is very very nice. But today, what we're talking about is uh, is flexibility, flexibility training, and this is something that you know we always have our we, we've got a loose idea of what it is that we're going to be talking about each week. We've got a structure so that we make sure that we uh, deliver good content to those of you out there that are going to uh, give us your time. Um, but before the show, we always talk about how can we. You know, what, what can we talk about today that's going to add a little bit more value? And we decided that we haven't actually had a show where we've spoken about flexibility and programming for flexibility for quite a while. And it's a hot topic. It's definitely one of the things that people come to us um, for the most. Uh, people, we, we see people, you know, Googling flexibility or asking questions about flexibility or downloading our flexibility blueprint. If you haven't got that yet, grab it. There's a link in the description of wherever you're consuming this content. Uh, gives away 10 of the key lessons uh, to developing flexibility that we learned over the, um, you know, over our, uh, our time. And yeah, I, I think, I guess one of the, um, the biggest revelation for me about flexibility training, because I made it, I'm, I'm 43 this year, and I think I was 36. I think I was 36 when I made, I basically made a decision. I said, I'm going to get flexible. I'm, I'm tired of not being flexible, and I want to get flexible. And I started working on it. And what I was doing 20 years ago when I was doing martial arts versus what's worked for me in the last couple of years is very, very different. And it's got a hell of a lot less to do with... Um, you know, static stretching with just the old, you know, reach forward, touch your toes and hold it for uh, 30 to 60 seconds and do that three times kind of a thing. So, um, you know, when we look at, um, you know, the, the, I think the first big lesson for us, for me was to, to treat your stretching as a workout. I think the biggest mistake that I was making in the past was that I was, um, Stretching was always like a bonus thing that I'd do at the end of the workout if I felt like I had it, uh, enough time for it. And if you think about where the UMS is now compared to that, just that in itself is a huge difference. Because people, we, we see other gyms where they say that they do flexibility there, but when you go and experience it, you do the workout and then they say, now here's some stretches, do them. And nobody does them because it's, um, it's not prioritized. You know, if the instructors can't even be bothered to put it in the workout, you, you, when you're really exhausted at the end and you're starting to look at the clock and thinking about your next meal, you just go, oh, bugger it, I'll, I'll do some stretching tomorrow. So I think one of the first big changes for us was that we started to treat um, stretching as a workout. It was a part of the workout. It wasn't like a bonus thing that we did at the end. Yeah, you very rarely see people being like, oh, I have more time. What am I going to do with all this extra time? <laughs> like, Especially where we have the gym here in North Sydney where CBD, people are busy. Like you just, mm. that no one's got the time to stick around and, and yeah. do all these extras. So Yeah, and we did it for... Um, for, for a good decade, Yanni and I put a lot of effort into trying to show, teach people how to stretch. You know, we had these um, uh, printouts that we gave people that had pictures of all the stretches that we'd show them how to do, and we'd put all this effort into it. And of course, nobody did it. Not one single person did the stretches and got flexible. Um, and I remember, I can actually, I've got a lot of memory of you looking over my shoulder and giving me your two cents when I was going through this process, because at the time, um, we were always training together. You were doing a lot of your training here. Um, as in, I mean, you still do a lot of your training here, but I'm pretty sure you were uh, a little bit more uh, devoted to weightlifting back then. So you were doing strength training five days a week. But I remember thinking to myself, I, I tried saying, I'm going to get flexible, so I'm going to do all my strength training an hour and a half, and then I'm going to do all my flexibility training at the end. And that started 
getting to the point where I go, I'm going to do all my strength training and then I'll do as much of my flexibility training as I can. And I ended up some days skipping it. Some days I had an hour and a half of flexibility planned in uh, and I'd basically get through about 30 minutes or 40 minutes. And I remember just saying to myself, stuff this, I'm just going to start doing stretching between my sets because I'm not going to get it done otherwise. And if I don't work out a way to do this better and then it was you were looking over my shoulder and every now and then you'd go oh rad you know that stretch is actually kind of interfering with this because you're doing x y and z and maybe you want to think of this and then i'd rethink about which stretch i could do on that day instead of this one and and that really evolved into the way that the ums is now where it's a one-to-one strength and, and stretching ratio and so that idea of treating your stretching as a workout that was the first massive breakthrough for well i'd say us because i was the one that pioneered the way with flexibility in this gym um and richard and yanni and everybody kind of you know followed me with it so that was the that was the first big breakthrough for everyone to to go yeah right let's do it as part of the workout yeah i think it's got such great benefits as well for the strength components which we'll get into later in the week about training for strength but um we're doing that tomorrow yeah exactly so (laughs) rest is a essential part of um, strength training and often people who are in a, a class just want to kind of rush through things mm-hmm. and will often, mm-hmm. um, you know, can't stand the idea of resting for a whole 90 seconds at least, which, you know, coming from a bit of a, when I was doing a lot of powerlifting back, uh, back in a few years ago and you're doing five to 10 minute rest periods, like yeah. <laughs> when I see people who can't stand doing 90 seconds of rest, I don't quite get them. But, uh, yeah, by putting flexibility in there and forcing, like it, it actually enhances the whole workout because you are, um, you know, stretching, um, to prolong that rest period a bit for your strength training. And mm. that interference we talked about was basically me saying like, oh, ideally we, um, when you're stretching a muscle, like if you're training a muscle group strength wise, you don't want to be stretching that same muscle group because yep. there has been research into increased injury and also the lack of um, force production if you are heavily stretching mm-hmm. an area. But yeah. Um, but yeah, before we get into this whole flex, I mean, you've had a really good overview of sort of the way um, it's evolved here at the gym, but one thing from a physio perspective that I really want to get out of the way first is is basically like why are you stretching? Because this is a thing that I come across a lot as a physio, where people um, come in to see me with an injury and they're like, oh, I must have like seventy percent of my patients say. Uh, I always ask people what they think their injury is and and why they um, think they got it, and then what <laughs> they think will make it better. And seventy percent of people say I'm probably just not stretching enough. Yeah, and it's something that I have mentioned on the, the podcast before, but I think it's just a, a really interesting thing how st- uh, stretching and flexibility has got this um, sort of cultural like status as a cure-all for all injuries and all aches mm. and pains. Yeah. And, you know, I totally, un- and I can understand that feeling because, you know, when you're feeling stiff and if you can't reach certain range of the motion, like there's, like that's a good sign that your your body isn't probably functioning at its best and um and and stretching is is generally how you um you know most people think of as the way to improve range of motion so i, don't, I understand where it kind of comes from but it's a really um can be quite challenging for people to think like okay it's not like the process of stretching and, and pushing your flexibility isn't necessarily the thing that's going to um make you short term less sore and long term more injury resilient because mm-hmm. with the thing with flexibility is if you're really building large range of the motion, then that's a whole lot more range of motion that you have to um, then be able to control. And if you think about a lot of the top athletes in the world who, um, depending on their sport, like uh, for team sports, for example, often they aren't super flexible and often the runners, you know, aren't super flexible, but because that's actually detrimental to their sport because then they need to 
control more ranges of motion. So you really want to think about why you're doing flexibility. And I am a big fan of um, increasing your range of motion, but I just want to get that idea that it's a, a magical cure-all for all aches and pains and injuries is... Um, incorrect. Incorrect. Yeah. And yeah. really, like, you've got to be thinking about how you... Um, what your activities or sports or demands need and then gradually building up to there. And range of motion can be such a challenging... Uh, variable like when we talk about all the different variables if we've gone through in the podcast before about um the variables that you control to progressively overload something so um you know intensity volume frequency rest periods range of motion like range of motion is such a challenging variable to progress but for some people think it's like therapeutic to just <laughs> bash through really large range of motion so i just wanted to get that out of the way early just to uh, make people think like you know i'm a big fan of flexibility but just make sure you're do it for the right reasons. Yeah. <laughs> that actually really leads me into my next uh, key lesson really well. And I'm actually, I'm basically just going through the, the flexibility blueprint here because we spend a lot of time, Yanni and I, in brainstorming what were the key lessons that we've learned about flexibility over the last decade. So I've, I feel like I want to use that as the uh, uh, blueprint, excuse the pun, for this, uh, for this discussion. But the second point on the flexibility blueprint is why you should increase joint movement then strengthen it and that was a really really big lesson for me the idea that for starters stretching before a workout is not the right thing to do you don't want to be uh you know sending that signal through the body through the muscles through the the joints that it's time to relax and you know increase range of motion we want to be sending the right signal that is um, conducive towards the work that you're about to be doing. So what we do at Unity Gym is we do mobility exercises and mobility is very different to um, stretching where, um, you know, stretching is something like where you, you know, reach forward, grab your foot, hold it, stretch the hamstring for 30 seconds, whereas mobility would be, you know, maybe bouncing down to touch the foot or just squatting deep a couple of times or basically taking your joints through their full range of motion. But the idea of taking your joints through their full range of motion to access the full range of motion, because when you're cold, you know, you do a little bit of a warm up 10 minutes later, oh, I can move better than that now. And then strengthening that new range with good strengthening exercises where you are intentional about your end ranges um, you're doing things with real thought behind them. Um, you're working within your comfortable limits, but you're also trying to, um, you know, access that full range of motion under load with control is just such a massive part of flexibility training that I never understood, um, you know, before this journey that I, that I started on six years ago. Yeah. What do you think? Mic um, drop? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's like, you know, such a huge part of, of, you know, when, uh, how I've seen the Unity program change over the years, and and seeing your training change over the years, like it, um, you know, the amount of, I think flexibility, like what conventionally would have been seen as flexibility work that you do now, is you know less than people would probably expect. Mm. But you know, if for anyone who's gone through uh, the eighteen minute stretch routine and then the developments into the mobility routines and the loaded stretching and all that, will have had a pretty good insight to mm. um, that idea of. Um, how you can do more than just static stretching but i think another big part of it is the that idea of like strengthening through range and using um you know weightlifting movements but under load as a way of um, controlling and range of motion doing things like animal flow where you're having to 
take your body through full range of motion and um, with control and support. Like that's mm. that idea of strengthening range, like kind of accessing range and then reinforcing that range with strength and accessing more range, reinforcing that range with strength is just, um, yeah, such a key concept and so different from what old school stretching mm. um, was. I haven't, <laughs> I mean, in the last six to eight months of my training, I have done such a small amount of flexibility training. Even even the principles of what we're talking about here, like I used to do a lot of loaded eccentrics and a lot of loaded isometrics and a lot of end range strength, like strength, strengthening opposing muscle groups at the end range in the shortened range. I, you remember my workouts, I, I did a lot of that and it was grueling stuff. It was oh, very, yeah. very challenging. Um, you, you remember when I was doing those deficit straddle <laughs> oh, up mate. splits I just, <laughs> and stuff. But you the, could but, not pay me to do it. <laughs> and the reason, the reason why I don't do as much of it anymore now is because I've gotten to a point of diminishing returns where I've come to a point where the payoff for the time invested is very small for me. I think I'm hitting, I'm going to say it, the limit of my genetics. <laughs> but I think my hips have come to that point where it doesn't matter how much harder I stretch them, they just don't want to go that much further. And um, the amount of effort that I put in in the last 12 months b before this eight-month period that I'm talking about now, for the, for the reward, the payoff that I got was nothing compared to the 12 months before that. But that said, with probably about... 10% of the amount of the volume of work, I'm able to easily maintain 90% of my flexibility that I got from all the hard work. So, um, which if you've been paying attention to our talks about the strength training and how you develop strength and maintain strength, very similar. Exactly. Like, and so yeah, treating yeah. it like, it's like one, in the it's same like, kind of way. You, you were saying it's like one ninth of the work to maintain 90% of the gains, right? Yeah. With strength training. Yeah. 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 So if you were doing like um, two sets of uh, two days of doing five sets of pull-ups to be able to get up to ten pull-ups, you could pretty much maintain about nine pull-ups if you did one set of max effort a week. Yeah, or, the, the you know, study that was like particularly for this was three sets of the same exercises three times a week, and they basically looked at a six-week training block and then had a people who did um, absolutely nothing um, did uh, like half, yeah. um, a third, a sixth, and a ninth. Yeah. So basically, and it was if you had adequate intensity, doing just one set of one set. of the days mm -hmm. um, was enough to pretty much maintain your strength. So it's, it's really, it's, amazing, um, isn't it? it's yeah, it's amazing. And it's a really, I think, encouraging thing when you have those busy yeah. weeks where you're like, oh, I just can't make it to the gym. It's like, mm. just do something. <laughs> and it's, it's exactly the same it, flexibility. It's really encouraging because, uh, you know, to highlight what we're basically saying here is that you have to work hard to achieve a level of flexibility that you don't have. That's is probably a no-brainer, but to maintain it is very, very easy. And the way that I maintain most of my flexibility training now is through being very intentional with my end ranges. And then just here and there, I'll just jump down into the splits. When I'm warmed up, I'll do a few loaded Cossack squats. I'll do some 360 hip mobility. Um, I do a lot of squatting, a lot of very deep squatting and movement, you know, through my squat you know, and my lo locomotion and flow work. And um, yeah, anyway. And I think, so, I, well, I think it's good to, to look at that because I think w when you talk about how you sort of decided like the diminishing returns are kind of not worth it for you. And I think, again, that comes back to your why, like, mm -hmm. you know, your reason for, I think, flexibility early on was kind of like to, I don't know, 
achieve these certain benchmarks and to kind of it was a bit of like a it was so that I it was so that I could do calisthenics and body weight and locomotion and flow and and soft acrobatic movements that I realized very quickly I was like wow it doesn't matter how hard I try if I'm not flexible enough my body just can't do it like you can try all you want but if you can't do a decent back bridge then going backwards is very dangerous for your shoulders right yeah exactly and so I think that that kind of shift from being like first off just trying to hit like specific flexibility benchmarks for the sake of like hitting those Mm -hmm. benchmarks and then but then actually like more and more shifting towards like okay what do i actually need for my particular activity and your particular Mm -hmm. activity being um calisthenics like you have those certain areas and then it's like by putting so much more effort and so much more time into flexibility then you're taking away the that's like exactly right. What you could be doing to actually hit your that's exactly um, right, and it's it, it's just it's become the thing for me that I am not the weakest at. Mm. I am much weaker at other things, yeah. so it just makes more sense to put the effort into those things that I have a greater, um, you know, chance for return on yeah. on that effort. You know, uh, yeah, I just do really like highlighting this idea about like thinking about what the activity you want to do and really like optimizing your training for it. And I think the UMS is such a wonderful program. Um, as it stands as like a general preparation for most sports in the world. But then this is that kind of next level of like how you then can tweak the UMS to really mm-hmm. get you towards your goals. And that's mm-hmm. what we do a lot in the online coaching um, group is help people with like how to, like I've just been doing some online consultations with, um, you know, a few patients and we've just mm-hmm. been looking at like, okay, like the um, foundations of the UMS uh, um, get you most of the way there, but what do we need to just like bring up the levels a little bit on this and and then what weaknesses do we have to work on and just um, tweak it. But yeah, so just having that idea of your end goal. And if you don't have an end goal, then just Mm -hmm. doing a good general of this. Keep doing the UMS. It's, um, it is, it is really beautiful the way the program works like that, because for somebody like yourself with your understanding of it and with your um you know education and passion you can you can come in and work with people like that and just tweak what it is that we do to give them that little extra bit it it is a it is a pretty cool sort of ecosystem like that isn't it programming for me is so much easier yeah dream (laughs) (laughs) not having to come up with something from scratch or not having to look at what somebody does and going okay let's burn that and we're going to start you know and because people who come through you like you know the UMS are just already so like engaged in what they're doing and you know mm-hmm. just need a little mm-hmm. bit of help yeah the dream to work with them so the next point the next key lesson for me was why you must mobilize and then strengthen opposing muscles and the idea of that is that so we'll use this forward fold or pike or touching your toes example the idea of being able to reach all the way forward grab your hands around your feet and then you know pull your chest down towards your knees so you're stretching your hamstrings to be able to do that level of flexibility is is good it is useful it is better than not being able to touch your toes but what's even better is if you can reach forward under your own volition without grabbing onto your feet so just reaching forward and then actively lift your legs up when you can do that that level of control that you have in your body and the way that you can express that and i'm and that one movement for example is essential for a press to handstand but you can, you can talk about it with your shoulders, strength. right? Com- yeah, compression strength, of course. I mean, you can do it uh, with any joint in the body, you know, like being able to actively pull into extreme ranges of external rotation and internal rotation with the shoulders or whatever it is. But it's the idea of it's not just creating flexibility in, in a muscle group. Uh, it's about strengthening that opposing muscle group in the end ranges. And that was a really, really big lesson for me. And, and the more I understand about flexibility training and just general general strength and um, injury risk prevention, 
uh, I, I think that that's uh, that that's been a really really valuable lesson for us and a and a cornerstone to the way that we uh, teach flexibility training in the UMS. Yeah, and why that is so like hard for anyone who's tried compression strength at the, <laughs> as oh, we used to do these podcasts where we'd go out in the, the yeah gym floor yeah yeah, back yeah. In the day and check out the, oh, man, on YouTube there's some of videos like, of me taking Phil through a press to handstand workout. Yeah, if you want to see me looking really grim uh go back and watch those but um <laughs> like that with muscles they are strongest in their mid-range and when you go to those uh limits of range so when they're most stretched and most compressed they're going to be um they're going to be weaker until you train that specific range so um yeah the loaded stretching that um you know that rad has talked about uh, just before is a way of really strengthening up that end range of the most lengthened but this can um uh, compression strength is now looking at the opposing muscle group and really training the yeah that and if you can get that sort of full spectrum of strength throughout um, the end ranges on both ends of the spectrum then you're really going to be mm. yeah doing mm -hmm. some good control and that also then sends feedback to the muscles that are um, if you're basically activating an opposing muscle group that sends like an inhibitory signal to the muscle you're trying to stretch and so it, it actually like um, neurochemically relaxes that muscle and, and forces it to sort of switch off so more than just like trying to um so in this case with the um using your abs and hip flexors to lift your legs and, and mm -hmm. pull yourself forward like those are possibly that's sending an opposing um signal to your hamstrings where they're to like they're, they're actually chemical like yeah neurochemically mm -hmm. relaxing which mm -hmm. is um, it doesn't feel relaxing, but it's, uh, yeah, 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 <laughs> it's yeah. it, but that's, it the, helps but you build range. Massive, massively. So the next point is uh, why I love loaded stretching, so eccentrics and isometrics, and and my understanding of it from from the from what I've read is that uh, when you do passive stretching, so we're going to keep using the hamstrings, like just reaching forward, grabbing your feet, and completely relaxing. Um, it's not that the muscle fibers become more flexible. They're already flexible. It's that the neural inhibitors, like what Phil was just saying, learn to kick in. They, they delay when they kick in and, and it allows you to become more flexible. And so the muscle fibers will lengthen as you go into that stretch. But with a loaded stretch, meaning, let's say I'm standing up holding two dumbbells. Can I just pause you there? Just when we say lengthen, so when you think about... Um the lengthening it's not like a you're stretching plasticine or a um, blue tack or um anything that like stretches out and gets thinner and mm -hmm. and and stays there like basically you've got these little tracks on the muscle that um attach and they're sort of interwined and then as you lengthen them out it's like a um almost like kind of like a train tracks or something <laughs> like yeah. uh yeah actin mice and um chains if you look them up yeah basically that's what's lengthening it's going out to um yeah, I got to figure out a good analogy for that. But carry yeah, on. It's, so it's not it's, plasticine stretching. It's so <laughs> oh man. When I was reading about the actin and myosin and everything again yeah. recently, it's like oh my god, it's so hard to explain it properly. But yeah, look up sliding filament theory and actin yep. and myosin. Um, but uh, from my understanding of it, Phil, and um, is that when you do loaded stretching using either eccentric or isometric contraction. So what an eccentric contraction is, it's where the muscle is contracting as it lengthens. So, for example, if you slow, if you stand up on your feet and you slowly bend forward to touch your toes, your hamstrings are actually going through an eccentric contraction because they're if they weren't eccentrically contracting, then you'd just drop to your feet. But they are what controls that descent. Yeah, you'd drop at the speed that gravity would take you down. That's and if right. you pull yourself down faster than gravity would, that would be the 
um, the yep. muscles that are flexing. The, yep. Yeah. So when you, or an isometric contraction would be where the muscle neither lengthens nor shortens during a contraction, but it is still contracting to prevent you from, you know, just falling forward. When you do that, when you do loaded stretching, you not only uh, increase your range of motion, but you also strengthen the muscle fibers. You can thicken the muscle fibers while you're doing it, just like you would with uh, weightlifting, with strength training, with hypertrophy. And that has far greater application to sporting activities, right? Like, um, you know, if you think about uh, a runner, um, it can actually be quite detrimental to be creating more flexibility in the hamstrings without also creating strength and uh, hypertrophy in them. Yeah, I'd just say with the hypertrophy side of things, I think it's quite unlikely that you get to adequate load to really get like a big hypertrophy response. But what you'd certainly do is get that neural adaptation to develop much more strength within range. Then you'd, you'd probably get some amount of um, like muscle size, but I think it would be pretty minimal, but it's certainly more of that neurological strengthening of that range. Mm-hmm. I just want to say that because I, I don't want people to think like, of oh, course, I'm, like, yeah, of course. You're not I'm going to throw away all bodybuilding like principles yeah. and just do like loaded yeah. eccentrics because that will unlikely to <laughs> make mm-hmm. you jacked, but it's an amazing way of building up um, strength in that range. And remember with flexibility, like it's the reason why your body stiffens up and, um, you know, spasms and cramps is to, it, the body wants to protect the vital organs and stop basically you go into ranges that you can't control so um that's why you stiffen up and you're not just your muscles don't when they get tired just completely relax and go to jelly because otherwise your bodily like your internal organs your structures your neurovascular structures in your legs your um, spinal cord would all be at (laughs) if you just got fatigued and then Mm -hmm. um floppy that would be bad but um fortunately we go um we stiffen up so with uh this idea of strengthening and range and um getting that neurological strength of those end ranges, that's a great way of basically getting your body to trust that you can control mm-hmm. where you're going. Yeah, yeah. So the next uh, the next point uh, for, for me, the next key lesson was um, to understand what the scientific mechanism of flexibility training is. And I used to think that flexibility training was about making your muscles more elastic. I'd heard that analogy a lot. You know, you're, you're stretching, you're lengthening the muscles, you're making them more elastic. But it's a lot more to do with the, uh, with the central nervous system. It's a lot more to do with, with this uh, basically, you know, tricking the central nervous system into allowing you to go deeper. So there's this um, there's these neural inhibitors that will kick in and prevent. I don't like to think about it as tricking as rather than getting into trust that you yeah, can. Yeah, trust. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, it's basically like you, you're gradually proving to your, your brain that your body can do what you like, yeah. what you want to be able to do with it. But if you try and trick it and just force yourself into it, that's when you get into it. But I, yeah, I, know, I definitely know what you mean there, but I, I think that idea of... The, the, best, e- the, the, the best example that I've seen of... Uh, of, of this demonstrated and not everybody can do this but in the in the in the workshop that i was in with ido portal he's certainly got somebody up there that that, that demonstrated this quite well uh and i've we've used the example since then um we get somebody to sit on the ground and try and do the middle splits and they can't do it but then you get them to stand up and keep their pelvis relatively square and raise one leg up to 90 degrees to the side and the person can do it. Then you put it down and then they raise the other leg up to 90 degrees relatively easily. And then you go back down to the ground and they can't go to 180 degrees. And there's no muscles that connect the left leg to the right leg. There's just a neurological response that when both those legs are pulling apart, the brain goes, oh, stuff this. This is going <laughs> to... 
not end well, and it stops you from going there. And so the idea of stretching is that you, uh, or flexibility training, I should say, I won't use the word stretching. When you do good flexibility training is that you delay that those inhibitors. So instead of them kicking in at 90 degrees over time, they kick in at 100 degrees and then 110. And this is the big takeaway for me from this lesson is that when you do a good flexibility session, a good stretch session, you um, th that process that Phil and I just described uh, unfolds for you. If you get it wrong, meaning if you stretch to the point of pain, you actually stifle that process. And when Phil was saying you're teaching the brain to, to trust that you can do this, you actually teach the brain that you can't trust to go there. You, you reinforce its fears and it's like basically saying, oh, you were right, don't let me go there next time. And that's why sometimes people experience this. It doesn't matter how much I stretch, I never get more flexible. And the next time I go back, sometimes I can't even yeah. go as far as I did in the last one. It's, it's most likely because you actually overstretched and you went to that point of pain. Yes, exactly right. And so that's, you, and you're probably gonna get it wrong if you really want to increase your flexibility, you're probably going to get to the point where oh you man, do I've push your wrong So many times. Exactly. So I just want so to really highlight times. that if you get it wrong, it's not like you've you've ruined the trust forever. <laughs> well, I actually yeah. learned about how long muscle tears take to uh, repair from talking to you about this after I'd done several muscle tears in my adductors by doing the, yeah. the middle splits. I must have torn my adductors in the last six years at least 10, 15 times. The worst one that I ever dealt with stuck around for a solid... Um, probably 12 weeks, but understanding from Phil how long a muscle tear actually takes to heal, it was probably a bit more than that, or maybe I retore it because you've told me that muscles usually repair a muscle tear in about six weeks. It, Is that right? it completely depends on the grade. Yeah, so, really. But yeah. yeah, like, so yeah, low grade ones can be just, you know, a couple of weeks or yeah. um, then up to then the worse it gets, the, the longer it takes, but yeah. typically six weeks is, yeah. is cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you do stifle the program, people then often say as well, and I, this was my approach. Oh, well, you know, I've torn the muscles. Uh, how long should I rest for and not stretch? And I remember I asked you that and you said to me, you shouldn't not stretch, just do it at a lower intensity and do it in an air, at a um, level that you can handle. But for the same reason, which we won't go too deep into that the idea of not training when you're injured is flawed. You taught me that the same thing is about stretching and that worked really well for me. Like I basically, when I would tear my adductors, instead of the idea of not stretching at all, I would just do some loaded isometrics at probably about 60 or 70% my capacity. But doing that that load, it's, you know, it, it is, um, you know, triggering. It's a, sending signal to your body that you, that like, this is something that you need to send resources to and you need, mm -hmm. yeah. need that. Now, I think this is a good chan uh, time to me to chime in and just say, uh, this is not medical advice. Yeah, uh, I'm yeah, not doing yeah. a physio consultation <laughs> with anyone out there. So please don't, um, if you do get injured, work as a professional, don't just take advice off a podcast. Mm -hmm. But you can work with me online. Yeah, if you like, yep. if, that's at right. ADPT <laughs> dot physio. That's but yeah, right. just yeah, to yeah. have to throw that one out there. Yeah, of course, of um, course, of course. Now the we'll fly through these last couple of key lessons before we go to our UMS online coaching call. So the next one, the next key lesson was um, really the difference between flexibility and mobility training. And and mobility is is basically an umbrella term for anything that takes your joints through full range of motion. So if it takes your joints through full range of motion right to the end of your capabilities, that is mobility training. So a deep squat, a barbell back squat is mobility training. Um, so a handstand or hanging is mobility training for the shoulders. Whereas flexibility training is more where you 
are doing exercises that are designed to increase mobility. So that may sound confusing, but when you're doing a workout where you're doing, say, three sets of loaded eccentrics or isometrics, the goal is to increase your mobility, whereas when you do mobility training, the goal is to access your full range of motion of mobility. And if you think of it like this, mobility training is generally done at a much lower intensity, usually as a warm-up or a cool-down, whereas flexibility training is more the actual workout to increase your mobility. So that was a that was a big lesson for me to understand that because I heard this word mobility floating around a lot and I really didn't understand what it was and I still hear people yeah, we had to, we talked through that one a lot yeah we, did. we, we had to talk through like, it a lot but that's that's my now yeah. other people might have a different definition but that's my favorite definition of it yeah. um, so I think uh, so the the last point that I want to talk about really is w- one of the key lessons was the secret to gaining flexibility and strength together because I because we touched on that before um, and this is something that I definitely discovered for myself. Not saying that I'm the only one or we're the only people that have ever done it. How could we? There's worlds filled with billions of people. But we did it first. <laughs> no, I, uh, I just I stumbled across it myself. Nobody taught me this one. I'd always been taught that flexibility was done separately to strength training or fitness training, not, not together at the same time. And um, I don't really think I would do flexibility training whilst I was doing cardio training at the same time. But for... The way that we do it is a set of strength training and then a set of flexibility training on the other end of the body, meaning we do upper body strength workouts and lower body strength workouts. So when we're doing upper body strength training during the rest periods, we do lower body flexibility training and vice versa. And that has been the real secret for me to to getting flexible um, in my late 30s and early 40s. And probably for you guys as well in your late 20s and early 30s. Have you, has it helped you, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, with my particular sports, put less of an influence. And again, this is how I think the UMS is wonderfully um, adaptable to each personal need. And for me, like becoming, I've got really into, you know, much more running recently. And for me, uh, flexibility is not a big part of like for, mm-hmm. for running. So I sort of do just enough to like tick over and be fine, but not like really trying to push it. So I sort of use that time to do other little things. But yeah, I mean, I think it's just the, as I said at the beginning, like the perfect way of um, making the most of your rest periods, making things efficient, um, optimizing your training time. And um, yeah, I think it's great. Mm. But yeah, for Richard, like Jesus, he's super flexible. And, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Richard never used to do any flexibility um, training, did you, Richie, before we sort of got the UMS to where it is now? Is that right? None. Yeah, <laughs> none. And he is he is impressively flexible now. Um, have you have you got a nose to floor pancake yet? Have you got your nose on the floor in your? Yeah, yeah. 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 I've um, I've gone like I won't say chest to floor, but pretty pretty close, close to it, yeah. when I was um, yeah. doing flexibility train training quite often. Yep. Uh, these days I'm a little bit tighter because I'm focusing more on strength and yep. you know hypertrophy. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and like gone from the classic you know yeah. muscular dude that could barely touch his toes uh, to that has has been pretty impressive you know uh, and also for somebody who I think probably what's more impressive is that you know um, for me flexibility training wasn't so hard to do because I decided that it was in alignment with my yeah. goals for Richard it was quite hard for him to do yeah. because it wasn't in alignment with his goals and it was almost like drawing blood from a stone to try and get him to do it but 
eventually he just started to see that, well, I'm standing here doing nothing anyway between my set of bench press and bent over row. I may as well do that little yeah. bit of flexibility. And it, and it's, it just adds and, up, doesn't it? And anyone it? who's seen uh, those photos you were taking of him at the, uh, the back of the gym with the... Yeah, some the, of those are on Instagram. Yeah, you can I mean, see them. He's you got the can rig. See it has not taken away from the rig. <laughs> no, no, not taken away from the rig. Also, at all. when you're working on when you're working on strength and you've got longer rest periods, it does give you something to do. Yeah, yeah. like you've got that downtime to you know do the hamstrings and do those stretches that you really need the most. But you know when you when you're doing hypertrophy training, it does make it a lot harder to yeah. squeeze it in because yeah. you're very much gassed and out yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. I, I go through times as well. Like I'll go through meso cycles where i just say okay i'm just gonna i mean right now I'm, I'm absolutely doing it but where i'll go look i'm just gonna not focus too much on flexibility because the demands of the hypertrophy training or whatever it is i'm doing now are too high and then i'll do the opposite at times i think okay well you know i've got long rest periods i'm yeah. lifting low reps you know i've got plenty yeah. of time and this is as you develop through your training um age and you know exactly what you want that's how you you tweak the program, but the foundations are there. That's it. All right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning Just in. Just before we jump off, Stephen Pellegrino has quickly asked, uh, that's why the bottom of my biceps is sore when, um, on the tuck planche when stretched straight out. Um, so, yeah, you're basically doing like a isometric end range mm-hmm. contraction there. So, yep. certainly. Yep. Awesome. Um, yep. Always love getting questions. So, anyone who watches live, right. chuck them in. Throw them in. All right, guys. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Tune in tomorrow where we're going to be deconstructing strength training. How do you get really, really strong? And for anyone who is in a UMS online coaching group, jump over to that Facebook page now where we're going to answer your specific coaching questions. See you soon, everyone. Health is about performance, not just body image. You better be willing to accept what you're going to have to do to get there. We'll start focusing on movement goals, strength goals, flexibility goals. When you nail that skill, it's there forever. The body image goal doesn't get you that far. It's the consistency and frequency that's gonna get you there. It's not the intensity. There's no shortcuts to mastery and movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will. The gym is not the place to beat up the body that you hate. It's the place to build the body that you love. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.